yeah, nothing like buying something that doesn't fit. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you. The worst is when you buy a frame <clears throat> and you buy a bottom bracket from the manufacturer and then the, the bottom bracket center spacer doesn't even fit in the frame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Same company too. They used to happen all the time. Yeah. I haven't, it hadn't happened in a while, but it used to happen a lot. Of all things, too, it's like that spacer should be easy to figure out. Easy for to your do. bike. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So, you're a lot. How old are you, by the way? I ask. Uh, I am 31. 31. I'll be 32 in December. Yeah. You you look a lot younger than I was expecting for someone who was like owns a shop and you know, <laughs> does things. I don't know why, but. So tell me a little bit about yourself, where you came from and what you're doing. Um, well, originally I, uh, I say I spent most of my childhood in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I, um, I got in the BMX like pretty young, I think like I was, I was always really excited about it and I had like cheap puffies and stuff, but, um, I lived in Kentucky for a little bit of my childhood. My dad was in the military, so I kind of grew up on a military base and, um, just had like cheap puffy and build sketchy kickers and stuff. And, um, so you I, kind uh, of encourage that behavior. He's like, yeah, go get some. Kinda. I mean, yeah. my dad was definitely pretty pre like definitely preoccupied with work and stuff, but he definitely, he, he's also kind of like construction guy. So he, he would on the weekends for sure. If, if we, once we got, once I got a little older, um, and, really got into it and he kind of like started coming like out of the military he he actually had a uh, a bobcat mm -hmm. and he would he would like pile up dirt for me and make like little little tabletops and stuff so yeah, yeah. um and we tried to build a quarter pipe like even almost before the dirt was probably we tried to build a quarter pipe and we had no idea what we were doing and it was just like all framed up on the bottom with two by fours and it was like riding like a wood planked quarter <laughs> but no coping or nothing but it was it was sick you know it was definitely an experience like trying to figure that out yeah. um be so much easier to build it now <laughs> <laughs> definitely. but uh yeah no he definitely uh encouraged me in that way he, he helped kind of build that stuff out and it was really just like just cheap bikes and like jump in and normal neighborhood stuff you know we mm -hmm. kind of do the same stuff on skateboards and 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 roller blades take the wheels out of them and like kind of like in the sticks not what else much else to do so waxed up the lid there's like a curve in front of the like a step going up into the house and i would just wax it up and grind it into the grass yeah <laughs> so, so go ahead uh, what what state did you say i think i missed it I, I, so I lived in Kentucky when I was younger okay. uh, for like 10 years of like my early childhood. And then, uh, in I think it was like sixth grade, I moved to North Carolina, uh, which is originally where I'm from. That's where I was born and where I lived for the first couple of years. But, um, around then we moved back to North Carolina. Um, when I moved to North Carolina is when like things really progressed. Cause I, I had, I just had, I still had like the cheap, you know, huffy or whatever, mm -hmm. but my neighbor, uh, was this guy that rode BMX and um, his name was Nick Solnika. He lives in Denver now and uh, he has his own little YouTube show and like does like uh, like just crazy funny stuff. But he rides like like uh, big bikes now, like twenty six inch dirt jumpers and shreds. Okay. Uh, but he kind of got me into it, and I I actually remember the very first day I ever met him. Like I met his brother in the neighborhood, and he had a mini a six foot mini ramp in his backyard. And we would go like ride the mini ramp every now and then, but it was a few few months or weeks. I think I moved in the summer, and then I met him 
the very first day I met him was on 9-11. Oh, wow. It's huh. pretty crazy. Because, um, like, I guess he had come home early from work. I was out of school. And, like, I, wa- I got to watch him ride that ramp, and he was just blasting, like, five, six-foot airs out of the six-foot, you know? And the, the ramp was built of nails, so it was kind of swaying around and, oh, like, shit. real sketchy. And But he was just blasting it. And he, would, dude, he was doing crank flips, which, like, at that time, I think crank flips were really, like, kind of frowned upon, I feel like. Like, mm. people would make fun of people for doing crank flips. Yeah, they were in the dark ages for a while. <laughs> yeah, now now it's, like, the coolest trick. But um, he, uh, you know, he was just blasting and killing it. And I kind of caught the bug from that. And he actually worked at a shop in, um, in North Carolina in, in Raleigh, which is where I'm from. Or the shop was in Cary, actually, but the town neighboring Raleigh. And um, so, like, for Christmas that year, I... My birthday is December 28th, so every year of my youth, I would just, like, get, like, 10, 20 bucks from each, like, family relative mm-hmm. for my birthday and for Christmas. So, like, I kind of would just have, like, 100, 200 bucks laying around, and I think that year I kind of came up a little bit, and I had, like, 300 bucks and went and bought a Haro back trail nice. <laughs> from uh, from the spin cycle, man. Like, I got Nick hooked it up. So after that, it was kind of just, like, me and his little brother would just – build ramps like in the front yard my dad again would would build like little dirt jumps for us and stuff and um for for probably a year i had like a nice table and that little right hip in my front yard yeah wow <laughs> so that was pretty cool and uh but we'd always just like rig like sketchy banks of ledges up on the um on like the little like uh kind of creek bed almost like empty creek bed in front of our house and, mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i, I still t- this day, Banks Ledges are without a doubt my favorite thing to ride. So, um, I guess I have to attribute it to that. But, awesome. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I kind of just like caught the bug, and then as I as things progressed, I really started riding with Nick Moore, and like, got, um, we started traveling, like, kind of, I'd say probably once I turned like fifteen, sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, this, so I was thirteen when I got the bike. It was my thirteenth birthday. Yeah. So then by like 15, 16, I kind of got more serious about it. Uh, Philip Teague, who used to ride for Eastern, he gave me, like at the skate park one night, his old Eastern Jane frame. And what? I built that up and like had like, you know, finally I started getting away a little more solid, like real bike for the times. That's sick. And uh, yeah, it was pretty sick, man. It was cool. It was, he, he gave it to me and he was, he said, it was like at the end of like a session at the skate park there mm-hmm. around this time too, I guess for, probably important to note that like the skate like my t- the town next to me Cary, north carolina they they had just opened a skate park um all skate light like really cool in advance for its time kind of and so like that definitely was a huge catalyst because it was, it was literally like every day i would get out of school and i would go to the skate park like every day Dope. uh and they had individual like skate and bike sessions and a lot of times i would just go and like sit at the skate sessions and like skate you know, because a lot of my friends from school would be there or, or just hang out. And, like, if there was no one skating, they'd let me ride. That's but I was literally there every freaking day. Like, I just wanted to ride. So, <laughs> but, yeah, Philip, Philip like, I, we were riding one night, and it was a later session. And he, like, brought the frame up from his car and, like, set it on the table. And I saw it. And, I, and like, as I was kind of, like, leaving, he, like, just handed it to me. And I was like, what's up with this? And he was like. It's like, dude, I'm so tired of looking at that yellow Haro. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I was pretty hyped on that. Yeah. I still have it. I still have that frame. I still got the yellow arrow. <laughs> I barely remember that name. Like that, I remember reading that name in magazine legit. Dude, he, he was a shredder, man. There were a lot of, like, I definitely, you know, feel very lucky to, to have kind of, like, really got into it down there because there was a lot of, like, legendary riders around that I would, like, loosely, you know, become friends with. And, like, you know, um, Ryan Barrett was one of them who he, he worked at the bike shop that I eventually ended up working at. And uh, he was just, like, a, like, someone I'd see at the skate park all the time and mm-hmm. just kind of show tricks and just like watching him ride like helped me so much because that dude's like one of the smoothest riders i've ever seen ever you know and like it's like through him uh you know i got to meet doyle um you know lee ramsdale was someone that i kind of met and eventually ended up working with after and um will stroud david stroud david stroud is someone david stroud's will's younger brother and like he would be at the park all the time too. I think he was even teaching lessons there and just watching him ride. Like he was just so fast and aggressive, kind of like a racer background, but he would just blast stuff and go so high. Like it was definitely like a really good thing to be around. And and all those guys too were buds and they would hang out and like, you know, like it was, it was like a a good community. I was just like the little runt, you know, they would all talk to a bunch of shit to me and, (laughs) <laughs> I got. I acquired a nickname. They called me Yellow Dose because I had the yellow haro. <laughs> yellow Dose. There was this kid. There was this kid named uh, Scott Chromados. I guess that was his last name. And like, oh shit. <laughs> so they they kind of fed off of that. But so I was I was Yellow Dose for a long time. <laughs> Damn, that's funny. <laughs> but, Damn, um, so so it sounds like you you had some shop experience. How do you how does one go from being in uh, North Carolina and in general, like the South to owning a shop in, in New York city. So I, um, I, I got the job at the shop in North Carolina, all-star bike shop, which mm-hmm. had like a, a real deep BMX heritage down there. Like, and they, uh, at the time there was no BMX rider working there. So I got, I got really lucky. I got in there and Don, the boss, man, he, he just like really, taught me the right way and like kind of gave me the keys early and I just was doing all the purchasing for the BMX stuff and I had success with it. I was hungry. Like I really liked parts. Like I always, like I, I kind of started in BMX by when I was younger in, in Kentucky, like looking at BMX plus magazines and like putting together bikes through like the spreadsheets, you know, yeah. there were pictures of them. like when Dan's comp was like literally just like, a two-page ad in BMX Plus. Yeah. Um, and then once Dan's comp started sending out those bigger catalogs, like I would just, dude, just eat those like for information. Like I could tell you every weight of every part. I could tell you every brand and what colors it came in. Like I just studied those magazines. Mm-hmm. And so I really had like a good knowledge of the parts. And like I also, because I was at the park all the time, like I knew everyone in the unit road and I was always just like, on everyone about yo buy it from all-star buy it from all-star buy it from me like I'll, I'll get it for you you know just because like at that time i just wanted to touch it you know i yeah. just wanted to like see the parts and get them in and like like i was that hyped on bmx and 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 i and i still have that today like i i get so excited when i like get new stuff in get to work on like nice wheels and stuff like that it, it's it's really exciting but yeah yeah i, I worked there for three years i i Eastern Bikes was based out of North Carolina right. and uh, and Raleigh and 
and I would like while I was working at the bike shop, I'd I'd hang out at the warehouse a little bit, help them unload containers in exchange for parts, and then. Uh, a friend of mine I rode with, Brian Bird, became a sales manager there. Mm-hmm. He gave me a job as a sales representative. So after three years in the bike shop, I did another three years at Eastern as a sales rep, um, which was really great. I made a lot of really good connections, just like meeting people on the phone. Like I, I was basically like a sales assistant to the other two reps. Mm-hmm. So I would talk to every like you know shop in the country and, and mainly – like my job was one cold call, so I'd like try to call like big shops that didn't carry BMX at all, try to sell them on BMX, sure. and then I also had to like call the actual BMX shops because mm-hmm. real BMX shops at that time were not really carrying Eastern. Um, you know, they weren't really down with the brand, and I it was like kind of like I took it kind of like as a personal thing, like to try to get to know these shops and like really try to try to get them to carry the product because. You know, at that time, like I felt like Eastern was was really supporting at least the local BMX community around where we were. Yeah. You know, and and we did some like so solid riders that uh, and were going on trips and promoting. You know, and I and so like I just I wanted to like get us into real BMX shops. Um, and I think my fascination with New York really came because uh, I mean when I turned 16 and was working at the bike shop like one of the first places I ever drove to was New York like we me and my buddy got in the car drove for the weekend came back and we we probably did two dozen neat like weekend trips we the first time we went up for like a banks jam we like slept in our car at FDR Holy shit. <laughs> like Wait, that's which so now joy. looking back so sketchy yeah. <laughs> like, oh um, yeah it was crazy and like yeah <laughs> just I I've connect sort of, I guess, you know, like, so I kind of just fell in love with New York and we, one of my territory, when, when I finally got a territory of my own at, at Eastern, um, New York was my brave bread and butter state. It was pretty much the only like real state I had that sold BMX stuff. Oh, gotcha. And, um, I got to know every bike shop in New York, like every bike shop on Long Island. You know, I talked to Roan at the shop, like, just I would call every shop if they carried BMX or not and just see what's up with them and mm. why they weren't carrying BMX and it was. And uh, that definitely like introduced me to a lot of people. That's how I met Kenny at Long Island Bikes, which eventually, you know, led me to, be, you know, become friends with Russ Barone. And, uh, you know, those guys are like brothers to me. So, like, I feel very fortunate to, like, kind of have met them through that, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I guess transitioning to New York, like, I, uh, my girlfriend and I, she, she was, uh, just graduated college from, and wanted to get into fashion industry and she wanted to move to New York and I had just quit Eastern and was kind of going back to school and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's go. Like I'm, I'm trying to get out of here too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so moved to New York and, uh, I did a semester of school and, um, I had known the guys at animal through Eastern and they once summer hit i just went over there and was chatting with them they needed a sales rep so i started working there um worked there for a year and um you know really like met a lot of people in new york and um like just kind of i don't know i think i worked there for a year and then went back to school and like when i was in school things weren't really like, I don't know. I, I went to school cause I got, my dad was in the military. I got to use his GI bill oh, you know? wow. That's cool. and they, New York, they pay like crazy, um, 
called BAH, which is where they give you money to live off of. Oh, so while I was going to school, I was working for this shop that I met from Animal um, at called Dave's Warehouse. This guy, um, uh, D, like Dave, is most known for DQM, which is like a streetwear brand. It's Dave's Quality Meats, and he like he had a store in oh, LES yeah. where they sold fancy Nikes stuff like that, like all that. hypey stuff. Yeah, it was like it was like a butcher shop. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> like Dave was uh, old school New York head. Like he, he, him, and Kev. Uh, Kevin was the, Kevin Carney was the other owner of Dave's Warehouse. They uh, worked as New York together, so they knew all the zoo dudes and like introduced me to this whole like New York skate culture. But Dave was a BMX rider, and he's the reason that Ravi and Jamie Bestwick and Ed were kind of on New York. Oh, shit. Um, is, is just because like his BMX connect. And, um, so yeah, so I worked there for two years, I think while I was going to school and I was just like trying to save as much of the money as I was getting from school yeah. and just live off of, you know, the money from working on the shop. And what did you go to school and, for? Uh, uh, business, business, business management. Oh, nice. Yeah. Of all things to go like, for, that's one of the best things I feel like. Yeah. I guess I don't. I feel like I didn't learn anything. To be <laughs> honest, man, like, it was I. I literally, to be honest, I literally went for the money. Right. Like it's kind of crazy to say that because I think it's really a bummer that, like, it would bum me out. I would go to school sometimes. I went to LIU Brooklyn, and I would go to school, and I would see the financial aid long was aid line was just like so long. Oh, right. And it bummed me out every time I saw that, and I kind of felt bad for like my situation, but. I was just trying to make the most of what I had, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. like, it just, it's kind of sad that people like go into so much debt to go to a school that they're probably like, they may not even end up using. Like, well, I, yeah. I don't know what the percentages are, but I feel like a lot of people that go to, you know, smaller schools like that aren't using what their, what their degrees in. Totally. And like, you spend all that money on it. I, I don't know, man, it seems kind of crazy. And, and there were so many situations where like, cause I was older too. Like I was in mm-hmm. my mid twenties. I think I was 23, 24 yeah. at the time. And so all the kids are like fresh out of high school. And mm-hmm. like the teacher would be presenting these, these like ideas and these thoughts and like these situations. And, he, and I wish I had a good example, but like I just remember like times where like the teacher would say something. I'd be like, well, why wouldn't you do it this way? Yeah. And he was like, well, because that's just not what the book says and, and like hmm. come to find out you know teachers like have never worked they literally got done with college and became teachers yeah that's <laughs> you know like someone who worked in like a sales industry and like you're sitting here telling me how i'm supposed to sell people stuff I'm like i don't know man <laughs> yeah it's, it sounds like your uh your what you call it your initiative and your perseverance you had so much of that before you even got to that point that it might have been redundant for you at that you know for for those high school kids it was like 13th grade and for you you were like i think i'm a little bit past some of this because you had yeah, that prior experience i actually to kind of backtrack a little like I, this is kind of like an important note in my life i don't really talk about it a lot but I, I dropped out of high school i oh, um okay. i was working at the bike shop and i just i didn't like going to school i, I literally just wanted to ride mm-hmm. and uh, the first day of my senior year i went to school and i left at lunch and they were like, I I had kind of like fucked off and like wasn't I didn't pass some classes I needed to, and they were telling me I was gonna have to stay an extra semester, 
And I like after that, I was just like, you know what, fuck this, like I'm not gonna do this. So I I left school, and I was so scared to tell my boss Don at the time because he was like this like fatherly figure to me. And I, I think I went two weeks without telling him. And then some guy that worked with my mom went in the shop and asked him what he thought about me dropping out of high school. So I the next day I go in, he's like, Damn. you dropped out of high school? And I was like, uh, I'm trying to find a way to tell him, you know, like, and he was like. He kind of like, this is like a pivotal moment in my life. He like looked down at his desk and he looked back up at me and he was just like, all right, well, I hope you're ready to work full time because <laughs> you start full time tomorrow. And, yes. uh, and ever since that point I worked full time, you know? So, um, wow. I really appreciate him for that. And like, kind of like, he didn't really like, try to beat it into me that I needed to go back to school. He like, mm -hmm. let me make my decision for myself. And I wish I could go back maybe and finish. Like it would, it would be good, but I got my GD. And I was honestly like in college level classes at the same time that everyone else that I went to high school with was. So, you know, I'm not really someone who like likes the school. Like I, I kind of like to learn on my own, yeah. you know, and I think that reflected through my college career where I just, I felt like it, I don't know. It's not for everyone, you know, a lot of people like thrive in that, but mm -hmm. I'm not me. So. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, so here we are. In New York. <laughs> yeah, so so you moved to New York. Your your girlfriend wanted to go up there. You guys decide to get a spot. You meet you meet Dave, and he was like the host of the the um, meet this not the meet the street the t meet street meet yeah yeah meet mean the streets street. mean streets street. yeah that's what it was yeah yep. that's wild yeah me and dave was so cool like and and really it was it, to me it was dave and kev like mm -hmm. dave and kev were this duo like kev was someone who kind of worked behind the scenes a lot and is such a good friend of mine and like who really is like a mentor who's like kind of like helped me because he's kind of the business guy in, in a sense and um that's always I, i'm not someone who likes the limelight like i i, I want to do the business stuff you know yeah and Cause I just, I enjoy it. I like, and I like putting bikes together, you know, like, so mm -hmm. I, I kind of like being behind the scenes. And, um, so working for those guys and their dynamic and those are like, I don't know if I could have picked two like better New Yorkers to like be mentors of mine to like, for what was to come, you know, like right. for, to like work in a retail store in Chinatown with those guys like it was non-stop laughs they were just they had so much fun with it you know like you get these vibes a lot of times when you walk into stores in new york where like people just give you attitude like especially smaller stores right mm -hmm. like um you know there's right. like when you go into like any of the boutiques you get attitude it, you didn't really get that into aves but it was funny sometimes like the way that like we just approached like customers you know it was like a lot of people were just coming in looking around mm -hmm. so like we try to like let them come in look around and if they were interested in anything then we'd help them you know but and there's also just so many people coming in right yeah. and like yeah. lots of weirdos and like we had this thing where like anytime like dudes that were like living on the street were coming in and stinking real bad we just put on slayer really loud <laughs> <laughs> and eventually they would leave like we just keep getting louder and louder you know but because like you don't want to like be rude like kick them out you know yeah. and create a problem or a beef but yeah. like it does suck sometimes like people come in the store and like they just want to hang out or talk and like they're not trying to buy anything and they're like you know, in the way or scaring other customers, creeping other customers out, you know, mm -hmm. that's, it's really no environment to like, 
run a business in. So I learned a lot there about the New York retail game. And um, at the time, I had, I guess I was kind of like winding down with school and a buddy in my, me and a buddy had uh, gone in on this little like warehouse, which eventually would become the first shop. Mm-hmm. And um, was it, we had, it was like a sh- workspace basically that we had. Cause I had, I was trying to get back in the rep game cause I was, I was repping some brands. Uh, Dave's warehouse had a bike brand called another whip and I was selling the bikes to other shops gotcha. and I was trying to kind of like ease my way back into the rep game when I got out of school and Eastern had kind of gone out of business and was coming back. Right. So I came back on board with Eastern and, uh, it, it did ended up doing a year there. And, and basically during that year I had this workspace that was a shared workspace where my buddy, I had a motorcycle and I wanted like a, shop that I could work on bikes on because I was mm-hmm. always like kind of building bikes for people on the side gotcha. and um, yeah. my friend had a uh, you know he, he wanted like a studio and like storage space as well so we went in on this space split it and when Dave's closed down I acquired most of the fixtures from the store oh, shit. so most of the store that you see today I, I would say probably like Sixty percent of the stores from Dave's warehouse, like of the fixtures and stuff, oh, wow. and then the other forty is like, or the other thirty percent is probably stuff I've acquired from other stores that have gone out of business, like mm-hmm. you know, or homie stores that just like closed down, they were over it, um, which is pretty cool. That's special to me to like, kind of like every, because every time I look at the store now, I just like think about that, like it's kind of like people I know or wh- where I came from in a way, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just bought from cool, the catalog. But... It has a story to it. Yeah, I didn't overpay for it. Like, <laughs> you know, got a pleasure cabinet or whatever. But yeah, yeah. It's, it definitely everything does have like a story and a meaning to it. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know. That's it's kind of like me in my life. Like anyone that knows me personally knows like how sentimental I am. You know, a little bit of a pack rat. I got so many bike like bike stuff and like little knickknacks that that just mean a lot to me just because like it's a memory you know mm-hmm. and I, I guess i don't have the best memory so it's nice to have reminders <laughs> yeah the warehouse originally was just like a space to work on things and it turned into the first shop when those other stores closed down is that what you're saying kind of like we had this we had the stuff like the we got the fixtures and it was still kind of just like a personal workspace it was you know i was working out of there like it was my office I had another friend, Harry, who moved in, and he was a GoPro rep. So, you know, basically, we rented the space that had four lofted offices above it. And I had rented, like, three of the four offices to basically pay almost the entire rent. Damn. That, you know? That's already we business one right there. there. <laughs> and, um, and that's kind of – you see that a lot in New York, mm-hmm. man. Like, there's a lot of, like, subleasing going on that that's people's that's how people are surviving you know Mm -hmm. uh but you know we 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 did that um and around that time post this is pretty close to post bike shop which was kind of like the the you know bmx shop of brooklyn at that time and and really of of ever of any era i think you know Mm -hmm. but they uh they had just kind of closed troy had moved out to Cali or I can't remember exactly what he was doing, but he, he was kind of over it. And this other kid, Ed took it over and it became bike lane. 
and then they had a skate shop in the back of there called Second Nature, and then then it's flopped, right? So the skate shop took over most of the store, and the bike shop, bike lane, was way smaller. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I can't remember exactly the timeline, but basically the you know the BMX shop was gone at yes. a certain point, and um, they were building this new skate park, Coover Skate Park, and I. Uh, you know, it seemed like there needed to be a BMX shop in Brooklyn, New York. So I just started, you know, I, I know Robbie just three years in the industry and, and obviously Russ too really helps that. But we started getting cold stuff in the shop and um, tried to like kind of service the community a little bit. And like, I didn't really want to become a BMX shop. Like that wasn't my plan. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, all of the years that I spent in the industry, especially those three at Eastern, I I would tell myself and tell people religiously, I'm never opening a BMX shop. It doesn't make any sense. You're not yeah. going to make any money. You're not going to be able to survive. You have to sell. If you want to do a bike shop, you got to sell other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, then we get to, um, you know, opening this thing, and it, the idea was that it was going to be a a showroom. Right, we weren't going to open a shop. It was just going to kind of be a showroom for the brands that we were repping to other stores. Um, you know, my friend Harry that moved in, he was GoPro, Bell, Giro rep. So we were just going to kind of have some of his inventory down there. We were going to have like, you know, some of the some of the Eastern stuff I was selling, and then I kind of talked to Robbie. I got a few Colt items in there, and like, you know, I I just I didn't think it was going to turn into a shop, but like, I don't know. As time went on, it just more people were coming in and it just seemed like the natural move right. you know and i was selling the, the another whip bikes from dave's and they were just like cheap single speeds and like i was bumping those and it just became kind of just became a shop right. <laughs> so it was like you so. kind of had a uh maybe this is something in, in the business sense like of pivoting you know like you wanted to be more of like a warehouse distribution center and then it just kind of became apparent that you needed to pivot to being a shop just because that's where the business was. Yeah. I mean, definitely it was where the business was and it was like kind of like, I guess where I wanted to be because I just wanted to do more events, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, I think that's what really started my role. Like was like the first two years we were open, we just had the events cracking. Like we were really pumping them out. Mm -hmm and just trying to do as much as we could to get everyone together and ride. Um, cause the, you know, simultaneously the BMX team was really growing around then because, because of the YouTube stuff, I think all these kids on YouTube and like, yeah. and, and, you know, New York city was unique to me in the place that like one of my original missions with Meserol was like in New York city is the only city I've ever been to in my, in my life where you could pass someone on a BMX bike and not say hi to them. <laughs> like, that is what it was at when I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. I, I passed so many guys on BMX bikes and they just kept riding, you know. And, you know, one of my original missions with Mesrol was like, you know, I want to do these events and like get the community at least so they know each other, you right. know. Yeah. And and so that that stops happening because like that's one of the coolest. I've been so many places where you go to a skate park or a contest, you meet someone and then you, you stay at their house. You know, right. like, because you, you just met that day. Hmm. Um, this is before the internet was cracking. <laughs> this is before Instagram, all that. So, like, you, you know, you didn't really, you just kind of, like, trusted people, I guess. Obviously, different times we're living in now, but yeah, you still should be 
to like at least be like hey what's up you ride like that's cool you know like yeah more but. friendly approach what what's uh <laughs> behind the name um it was pretty easy actually i mean we were on meserol street uh it was spelled m-e-s-e-r-o-l-e um i was in between names i had come up in north carolina me and my buddies had this website called negative source and um that was like the kind of like one of the north carolina bmx crews and um i wanted to call the shop negative source Mm -hmm. but some people around me thought that that wasn't a good idea and that it was a negative connotation. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so I had a list of names. I mean, I had hundreds of names, but we had narrowed it down to negative source, Meserol, or like 282, which was the address, 282 bike shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was struggling with it and it was literally like getting down to the day where I was like filing all the paperwork. So I had to come up with something quick <laughs> and I just like started stuff a little bit and I Googled Meserol and when you Google Meserol, the urban dictionary definition of like Meserol spelt with the E on it, I think is something like a group of friends or family that show love to one and each other by berating and belittling and shit talking them. <laughs> <laughs> And I just thought it was like the perfect explanation of negative source and like the crew of friends that I have there and like how we just like literally just negative source started as like a shit talking form (laughs) (laughs) and it developed into this like site that represented North Carolina BMX I think for a while and like you know we just all like to razz each other like it's funny you know don't take yourself so seriously (laughs) I think that's a big problem people have is they just take themselves too seriously it's like if you can't laugh at yourself like I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <For sure>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. So you said that was the first location and eventually moved to a second location? Yeah, so we got up rock and we were there for, uh, in total I had that space for four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had it, the shop was open for three. Um, you know, we, we were doing pretty good and then like I kind of just, my landlords were really sketchy over there and just like we i didn't have a lease at that time and i was it was stressing me out so much not knowing like if i was going to come in and they were just going to start like throwing my stuff in a dumpster and getting rid of me you know like it was really to that point and like i that that the neighborhood like we're we're like only five blocks away like new york's so block by block we're only five or six blocks away from the old location but it's like a super industrial area. There's mm-hmm. nothing else going on over there, which was cool for riding. Like we could set the rail up out front, we could ride, like we could hang out, nobody really messed with us, but yeah, it wasn't really great for business. So um, I went, I, I, I religiously, I mean, throughout this whole process, like in the background, I'm like, I'm combing Craigslist mm-hmm. all three years, like looking for a better spot. I'm always looking for like something better because you just don't know what's gonna happen. and. I had gone to look at a space one morning and, um, you know, one of it's kind of another important note. Like one of the few things I've told myself, uh, this whole process is I've always said like to myself, if I ride my bike more, Meserol will succeed. Like oh, that's, <laughs> that's kind of like my whole like mantra. Like if, if I go ride my BMX and like do what I really love to do and like, enjoy it mm-hmm. for what it is then then 
and that will bring me like happiness everywhere else. It'll make everything click together. And like, you know, it helps when like people see me ride they realize I'm a rider. I'm not just a dude that like sits behind, like just trying to make money off of BMX, you know? Mm -hmm. So like I went to go look at the space and I didn't, I kind of liked it actually. It was, it was down close to McCarran park and it was early in the morning. So I went and caught a session. I went and rode McCarran by myself for like an hour and on my way back to the shop, I passed this location, which is where we are now. Mm-hmm. It was for rent. I called the guy. I actually had to circle back because I passed it. I was like, no, nah, I can't. I can't give. I can't let one slip through. So I called the guy. I got in touch with the owner direct, which is kind of rare in New York. Normally, you're talking to a broker or some other sketchy super or something. Mm-hmm. And um, he was cool. I really liked the landlord's vibe. Um, you know, his his family had had the building for a long time. He'd been in the neighborhood for a while. And I, I kind of bit the bullet and just went in on it. It's more money, you know, way more investment, like, and definitely a scary move. Cause like I'm already maxed out. Like I, I don't, I don't have any money. People think I come from money or something. I, I don't know. Like, it's like I, I went all in with all of the money that I saved from school. Like I'm already like kind of just bankrolling, bankrolling, like and putting everything back into the business. And, and, uh, it, it's it's working out to this point you know like it's still scary but it making that move was definitely the right move we have we have a door <laughs> <laughs> our other place was just a open warehouse so i think people especially like families when they come in they weren't sure if they were supposed to be in there or if mm-hmm. they should spend their money there right and um, i really think that like the new shop it just it it was really like a eye-opening thing to like finally rip down the windows when we did and like see the shop for the first time because it just it looks way better you know yeah. it, it's clean it, you know i try to keep everything like displayed nice like like painted white or black and like like just like really monotone like very like i don't know just like on a boutique vibe like mm-hmm. i think it's important presentation of it like you know, most yeah. of the time you go into like, especially in New York, you go into bike shops. Half of them are just disgusting, dude. Like things piled up everywhere, and like, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think BMX is a beautiful thing. The product looks cool on the wall, so why not try to make it look cool? You know, like, yeah. and um, yeah, but move, making that move was great. We're right across the street from the Blue Park, which is a really famous like skate, like kind of link up spot. All this, all the cool guys skaters in New York hang out there. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a cool little DIY spot with like just some small stuff to ride. So we're pretty much right across the street from that. Um, and it's, it's base is about the same size, it's thousand square foot. Um, nice. you know, and it, uh, it kind of like, which fills up quick, but, um, right, you know, yeah. I, I'm definitely always doing some updates. just remodeled a few weeks ago before all this stuff went down, which is kind of cool because I've had a little bit of downtime to really get uh in in depth with the organization and stuff right yeah. still got a lot to go but um yeah it definitely feels uh it, we're definitely getting there so and how long have you been at this newer location now uh just past a year oh, march wow. was a year so congrats yeah. on that man i guess actually march or uh, february was a year but yeah uh yeah thank you um it definitely way better um, you know, we, we just, uh, March was our four year anniversary. So, mm. uh, looking forward to trying to stay here for a while and keep, keep the vibes going. So, hell yeah. So of all places to like have a bike shop and try and make it work, it's, 
it's like New York City in like uh, you know post 2008 you know financial crisis when you know a lot of shit kind of hit the fan what's it like to own a shop in New York City do you have to worry about like security is it sketchy at all do you have to like do you have do you have insurance on like your inventory? I mean, maybe that's too personal, but no, no. I mean, I yeah, I got insurance. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I I didn't want to for a while, but I mm-hmm. definitely have insurance. Definitely have you know a good security system. You know, I don't worry as much about that stuff because it's like there's like I think people get like the stigma about New York and like being nervous that it's a scary place. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're sure there is crime. There's you know, like 8 million people in the city or something, you know, like there's, there's a lot of people stacked on top of each other. Um, but you know, it's so much that like that I see on a daily basis this is community, man. I see the same people every day, right. like the same people. It's always the same dudes posted up on the block, like down the street, hanging out, drinking beers. There's, you know, there's always the same guys at the deli, I see the same dudes that, you know, the guy works at a paint shop up the street, see him every day. Like, you know, there's families that live across the street to see them every day. You know, like it's, it's a community and like, you know, people really like look out for each other, I think. And, you know, people really care and like it is changing. I mean, there's a lot going on. Like gentrification of the neighborhood is kind of taken over. And I really like try to stay on top of like what's, going on in the community i try to go to the community board meetings and just listen to what's changing and what's happening but you know new york as a whole is a very safe place it's it is like bringing it back to the business sense like it is a really like hard place to run a business Mm -hmm. i have to jump through all these hoops to do anything i can't i basically kind of slowed down on our events because i had this block party at the old shop these kids went and got in a fight at at the skate park up the block beat some skateboarders up and you know the the police came back to me you know the whole day we had gone i didn't have a permit to throw the party in new york you have to have a permit to throw a party over like 50 people or something like that right and it's kind of like a big deal because they don't want people having these underground after hours parties and like that there's a fire in oakland and like it's a serious issue in new york and you know these these kids went and got in a fight over there so like the whole day the cops had been chill they were like they were psyched they were the the, the regular cops working the, the neighborhood were like this is cool we love what you're doing for the community just keep the street clear so people can walk by but yeah you know just like just be good and then of course you know a couple bad apples spoiled a bunch the the cops came shut the party down sergeant had to get out from behind his desk and come see me and and he was not happy and and he said that i brought these people to his community and and so basically now anytime i do an event i have to let the police know like if i don't let the the local precinct know and i do an event they're gonna mess with me they're gonna come shut the event down and they're gonna come to the shop they're gonna bother me like i I don't want that i don't want to catch that heat so you know i got to do everything by the book now and it kind of sucks but at the same time you know, I want to live in New York. I want to live in a safe city. I want to live in a clean city. Uh, you know, I, I get it. Like Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is. It sucks that it, like a lot of it costs a lot of money, but you know, my angle is always just trying to do what's best for the community and like try to get kids hyped on BMX. And I think that if we, if I just continue focusing on that, that eventually, you know, it'll come to where we'll be able to kind of do stuff, maybe be able to like, not necessarily get away with stuff, but like kind of find our different angles to, to do some of the things we want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and 
build skate parks and, and get more places to ride and have events and and them not be crazy and people not get in fights right like, you know, that'd be nice but um it it is because new york's such a big eclectic mix of people you know there's all different kinds of people that ride bmx and some of them don't really understand that they can't act that way because it's a reflection on the whole bmx community and kind of bums me out but what am i supposed to do about it you know <laughs> yeah you're doing everything so, you can but yeah, as far as running a business in New York, man, it is crazy, man. Like there's so many things you have to do, like the sidewalk, right? When I was getting insurance for the first time uh-huh. in New York City, you're responsible, the business is responsible for the sidewalk in front. If it snows, I have to snow shovel it. If someone slips, they, they sue me, right? So like my insurance is like, you know, well, who's shoveling the snow? <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just there's lots of things you don't think. I've got to get a permit to get an awning and a sign. I got you know, yeah. like the retail sales license. You know, like there's just so many different little things that you underestimate. Mm-hmm. I got to pay for them to come pick up my trash. Like I have to pay a company, a private carting company, to come pick up my trash and cardboard every every month, every week, and um, it just adds up. And you know, and everyone comes in they see that we're selling bikes and things are moving and it's like yeah but you know your bikes i gotta sell just to pay the rent (laughs) and it's cool i'm not complaining at all i love it like i i really do it's it's a fun hustle and fun struggle like but in trying to spread the bmx love and and uh and figure it out like Mm -hmm. just take it day at a time right on so what do you in general terms what do you think makes a good a good bike shop so like if maybe somebody from a different state or a different area you know they have some downtime to think about their shop and how they can maybe improve it what's something that you think i think the number one thing that makes a good bike shop is community mm-hmm. like how are you supporting the local bmx community how are you interacting with them um you know i, I don't I, anyone that comes into my shop and, 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 and a lot of people could attest to this, but I don't sell people stuff they don't need. Half mm-hmm. the time the kids come in they got bump, like, you know, Oh, my mom gave me hundred bucks. I want to buy, I want to spend all hundred. I'm like, you don't, you don't, your bikes, like buy a tire. That's what you need. Like, don't, you know, you know, you just keep riding, man. Like, don't, don't worry about, you know, going over the top, you know, like yeah. if you need something, buy it, you know, like, so I think like, you know, definitely just being in touch with the community, what's going on, like carrying the right product is really important. You know, you know, some brands are cooler than others. Some brands sell better, mm-hmm. but some brands make better product. Um, you know, and I try to like really hone in and, and like carry just like stuff that I believe in, you know, yeah. not, it's not always stuff that I personally ride, but you know, cause I have my own acquired taste, but I try to, you know, bring in like a selection that I think is like the best quality, um, the best prices and like kind of like really caters to what people need, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I, I try to, I try to tell people what I think they should do based on my experience in the industry. I've been doing this a while. Like I've seen a lot of like parts in, in their usage, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, I try to give people my opinion, tell them what I think they need. If they listen, that's up to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times people think they know what, you know, more than me sometimes, which is funny. And I'm just like, all right, yeah, that's cool, man. Like, I'm not going to 
sit here and like tell you any differently because because at the end of the day you learn a lot of people like in myself when I was younger I learned because that's how I learned I learned on my own like sort of like uh, I didn't like some mistakes have to be in a shop tell me (laughs) but damn so how was the shop uh, I would say circle back there was a couple of things I noted too like okay cool on that question was I think like community I think cleanliness is a big thing I said earlier too like Mm -hmm you know like you walk into a shop and it's like dirty and disorganized like which you know for right right now my shop is disorganized because i'm like still going through it but like i do think that's that's a big thing to me is like in presentation and um you know i also think too the quality of work like sometimes i spend way more time on a bike than i'm getting paid for mm-hmm. but if i if i'm working on a kid's bike and i see that it's brake pads roasted like i'm gonna replace it you know there's other kids in the neighborhood that come in that you know like 10 12 year old kids and they don't have any money like and they're not trying like trying to spend any money on their bike but you know their seats all broken off and it might stab them in the leg so i I got a seat box you know i got a little parts man i'll throw a new seat on for them just so they don't hurt himself you know like yeah i think it's really like just looking out as best you can like doing good quality work and you know carrying the right mix of products and support i I always preach this too to people that when they're coming in they want to buy some like off-brand something you know like off the internet they found and i'm just like man i I, we don't even carry that like i carry brands that support bmx i carry Colt, i carry shadow sabrosa um you know we we do a lot with those two brands in particular we also do odyssey animal like you know, we carry a lot of different brands, but I really try to focus on the brands that support the BMX scene, especially that support the BMX scene in New York City. Right. You know, and like Colt does the most, like Colt does events. They bring their team out, they interact with the community. That's important to me. Like, it's not just about the parts. It's like there's so much more to it, and and you know, I think that's really important to like help make the shop better. Yeah. How was the shop doing before the pandemic hit? Were you we're, we're doing good, man. Like it, it definitely, um, threw us for a loop, but like, you know, it's, and it's hard, so hard to say too, cause we're still only a year into our new spot, but mm-hmm. things were definitely moved good for us. And, um, you know, we, I felt good about where we were. The winter was really mild, Yeah, it was. like all over the Northeast, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but cause I, I remember there was a day in January when we were riding, on the water like we were riding the pier spot like that uh, was just mind-blowing to me like it's january and I'm, I'm hanging out by the water right now but um yeah it's uh i think the winter really helps um you know as this kind of covid situation developed mm-hmm. um things came screeching halt like i mean i think it was like two weeks where i didn't even see anyone like for for the most part other than like delivery workers because people were just scared like everyone's really scared and mm-hmm. I, I guess I feel lucky that in this time that I like work for myself because like I mean even though it's really scary and you don't know what's gonna happen like I don't want to lose business but like I'd go nuts if I was stuck at home for two weeks so I just I just woke up went to the shop and I got plenty to do like there's always something for me to do man I got mm-hmm. I gotta clean reorganize like try to make it better build a build one of my bikes that I haven't worked on in two years, you know, like just small stuff like that. So 
um, definitely uh, not. I'm not complaining about it. It, you know, things are definitely starting to pick back up now. I think people are a little less scared. Um, I've heard that like bike shops in the suburbs are doing really well, but I think the best hopefully is yet to come for New York City bike shops. Because I think once people get back to work, they're going to really rethink how they get there right. uh, and using public transit. And, I mean, honestly, man, I tell people this every day, but riding a bike is by far the most efficient way to get around New York City. Mm-hmm. Like, you beat any car, beat any motorcycle, obeying the laws. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like, it's it's really an efficient way. You know, it sucks that bike theft such a big thing, but, you know, you, you try to, like, be as best you can about where you lock it up or take it in with you, and, yeah. and it's really the and, and it's too, it's by my opinion, the best way to see the city. You could cover the whole city in a day if you wanted to, for the most part. Like, and, and you just, you can look at things, you can see things and you see so much more when you're, when you're cruising on a bike versus in a car or a bus or underground in a train. So, yeah, there's a, there's this thing uh, near where I live. It's called the green belt. Um, it's like this big paved area it goes all the way around Harrisburg. And before it was rare when you would see another person on it. And so like, you know, as, as people, so many people have downtime now, everyone is getting outside and enjoying it. However they see fit. And I think some people thought the green belt was the low key spot to go ride your bike, but now everybody's on the green belt riding their bike. So yeah, it's like tricky, like to not run into people, but at the same time, it's it seems clear that a lot of people are getting back on their bikes whether it's recreationally or like it like you said re reconfiguring their commute um, it's definitely you know this is obviously going to change the world but it looks like it's hopefully going to end up doing good things for the bike industry you know and just you know i think a lot of times too people just look at bikes and they're like bike you know ride a bike like, yeah that's 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 what kids do or that's lame you know mm-hmm. like like or I'm going to get sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's good for you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and it's, you know, hopefully, I think one one other thing I've heard two people complain about riding is, like, it can be stressful sometimes, right? You got all the cars, you got, got all the people on bikes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully people use it responsibly. Hopefully people get on bikes and they kind of learn the etiquette and, like, understand how the flow works. And But... You know, not everyone gets it, but just kind of got to navigate around those people and just keep keep it moving. Yeah. Are you guys um, are you guys doing online sales now or? We done online uh, for pretty much the whole time. Um, I got the online store running pretty quick, but I haven't put a lot of it. I never really put a lot of attention into it. But the last over the last two years, I've really put a lot. And then once this started, like, um, you know that was my main focus. So for the first two weeks of that downtime, you know, aside from organizing, cleaning and getting the shop right out was, we were working on the website. Very um, cool. And, uh, I really want to get that up and running better. Like, you know, it's kind of a catch 22 cause I'm such like a, uh, like I'm such a stickler for like local bike shops. Like I really want everyone to go shop at their local bike shop. If you live somewhere within an hour's drive of a BMX shop, go spend your money there. Don't buy stuff off my site. Right. Like, so, but there are things and there are people places where they don't have access to that. And, 
Um, you know, we, we like to, I also too like to hone in and carry specialized products maybe that someone else doesn't have and can't get sort of. So, mm-hmm. um, for that reason, and then of course to buy our shirts, hats and all that jazz. But, um, you know, for that reason, we got the web store running and it's pretty easy. You know, Shopify makes it really easy. Just, it works, syncs up with the POS system. Everything's on there. And, um, you know, just, just grab something, go buy yeah. something. <laughs> so, so, uh, well, I think what I'm getting at is like making, uh, making, getting, making business happen while things are shut down. Are, are, is there local people ordering from the site and like asking you to deliver it or ship it or come pick it up? Definitely picking up more local online orders um, yeah. and uh, local pickup stuff. But I mean, we're still open. Like mm-hmm. we're we're still operating. Like I'm 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 one man show in there. Um, you right. know, I'm handling people one at a time as they come. Like one person in the store got to wear a mask now. That's law apparently. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to do it as safely as I can. But at the end of the day, I, I do have bills to pay and I'm not getting any government assistance for this. Like we're not, we don't qualify for any of this, like free money they're giving out mm-hmm. and it sucks, but it is what it is. You know, like we got to just keep on trucking. And, um, so I try to help people as best I can. People call, I try to direct them to the site mm-hmm. and, and because we've spent so much time making it better, like it's like please use this. It's a tool that we have to make your life easier too. Yeah. But there's just like this, uh, you know, try to get people, um, to, to go to the website and use it. It is this tool that we built for people to use and make things easier. Pick up, you can pick it up at the door. We can bring it to you. We can ship it, you know, like it's definitely, and really too, when people are looking for bikes and not sure what they want, I just tell them, all right, look, you know, go peruse around the website, get familiar with the product, figure out what you want or at least in a ballpark and then come in and we'll talk about it or, or give me a call. We'll talk about it and I'll walk you through it, you know, rather than like coming in and touching everything, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. sucks. like that's why we're here. We want you to be able to like come in and see the product and, and, and get to know and get to figure out what you want. But, um, you know, like right now that's not the case, you know, I can't spend my whole day, Lysol down the shop, so right. and that's <laughs> I gotta I gotta try to keep as many people out of there as possible. And and that's that's what made me so curious to to ask you to be on this podcast to begin with was once I saw that shops were considered essential, like I kind of panicked and, and shut down my little shop right away. And then once I saw that bike shops were considered essential, I was like, fuck, like shit might not hit the fan as hard as I kind of thought it was going to. And seeing that you're you know, persevering through it, you know, is really cool. And I think having an online shop doesn't necessarily like, yes, it can be accessed within anywhere in the world, but I think an on, having an online presence seems to be extremely beneficial on the local level for that reason. Like if I could, if I could go to my beer distributors website and select, like do a custom mixer sixer and know that I could go and pick it up at the door, I would totally do that. You know, like, I don't, maybe that does already exist, but it's just, I know having an online presence like that seems awesome to be able to. You have to. It's it's the way it works now, you know. You got to have an Instagram. Like, I hate Instagram. I hate. (laughs) I don't don't post nearly enough that we should on Meserol, which sucks, but, like, I try to as hard as I can. It's like, I I have work to do. I have to, like, 
actually work and like get a bunch of stuff done like yeah. for me instagram like takes a while because like i want to put like nice pictures up and like make sure the time is right and like mm-hmm. organize it right and like do it you know do everything as best of my ability but um you know we just you just gotta I guess, find a way you know and it's a it is it is the way it works though now everybody wants an instant right away and i think that's part of the reason that i'm having a little bit of success is because you know we, we do have I think the best brands of BMX, we have a lot of inventory of those brands mm-hmm. and we have some stuff people want and they go on the website, they see that I got it, come get it, you know, right. like it's, it's pretty, pretty simple. Yeah. Otherwise you're answering a million phone calls a day. Like, Hey, you got the one crank spacer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a blessing and a curse, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So what's the what's the future looking like? You got any any? I know it's, I I can sympathize and agree that it's so uncertain. But um, what's your immediate future plans here? I mean, immediate right now is just keep trucking. You know, like mm-hmm. try to like see what happens with this whole situation. You know, obviously, uh, you know, before this, I really wanted to start getting back doing more events. I uh, kind of focusing on maybe like doing some like one or two bigger events versus a lot of smaller events. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, personally, you know, obviously, I, I still have that BMX dream. I want to travel. I want to yeah. ride with my friends. Like, uh, we just filmed. I got an edit coming out soon. Um, like right before all this happened, we, we were this basically started like the weekend of our four year anniversary. So we were supposed to have a party and that got canceled. But wow. uh, Foley, Seamus um, had come up, and Joey Monster was here. Russ came out, and uh, we rode with Matt Miller and film a little edit from the day like it was like two two three days basically and got some good video content so i'm excited to kind of bring that out um but i really just want to be putting out more content you know mm-hmm. um trying to get as many like top level riders to come to new york as possible come through the shop meet kids inspire kids you know like i think that's a big part of it like if a young kid who's not interested in bmx could could meet a dan foley or or Chase D. Hart, or you know, like maybe even a Garrett Reynolds or Mark Burnett, like Sean Ricani, all those guys, like they get hyped. Like mm-hmm. they're gonna look them up, they're gonna think they're cool, they're gonna follow them, and they might become BMX riders one day. And that's that's a cool idea to me. So I want to try to like just support that as much as I can, and and um, you know, get as many people out here as possible. So. Hell yeah, man. Um, do you have any concerns for the BMX industry as a whole? Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, one would be fake brands, right? Like brands are selling BMX that, that aren't in it, you know, that aren't supporting that, you know, I do think, you know, I guess it's kind of wrong to say, like I do sell some like inexpensive single speed bikes, but so there is like this certain point of like, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere, right? Like, you, you know, BMX has to be like the real BMX companies have to not be so scared of putting their name on a product or, or at least selling a product that mm-hmm. might be inferior to what they really want. Everyone has to start somewhere. Not everyone has $350 or $400 to spend on a good bike with steel bearing hubs and all that. Right. So I think that that's really important. Um, is kind of just like trying to like not support those fake brands and for the brands that are real, like to like, kind of like, open up their eyes and maybe start developing some more products, get some more price points out there. Right. Um, 
you know, I think the other like big thing that kind of worries me is like disconnect is like just this disconnect between like all these guys that are doing the YouTube thing and, and like how that is like, like maybe, you know, is it selling out the BMX industry? Is it, what, what how is that fitting into it? And, and right. I think that yeah. it's super important to remember like a, a lot of core guys you talk to like screw these youtubers man they're out here making money like it's like well, they're working they're, they're putting in work and you know what man more kids come into my shop that ride because they watch so-and-so on youtube yeah. like that that is the number one reason that people say they want to ride bmx to me mm-hmm. so you know I'm, I'm in support of it like you know like keep doing it keep putting up content but don't don't do it at the expense of other people or the industry or you know just for your own popularity and wealth like let's everyone can grow together you know yeah. like we can all like work together and like make bmx cooler and tighter than ever and and you know do it for the real reasons you know and get people get kids out here you know productive members of society <laughs> like one of the coolest things to bmx about me to me, man, is every guy that I grew up riding with, all the neg- negative source guys are insanely successful and do cool ass shit. You know, one of my friends that Trey had started the website, he like does coding and like lives in San Francisco and works for like a tech company. You know, my other good friend, Zach is like a carpenter and makes really sick furniture and does really cool installs and has built out sick warehouses or uh, museums and all kinds of different exhibits. And like, you know, my buddy Tyler was a photographer. He shot for national geographic and does lighting. He's like a lighting expert, you know, like Terrell does videos. Like there's so like everything in all of these guys attribute their skills and their careers to where they started in BMX, you know, like what they learned through that. And I think that that's really important. I think that it's not talked about enough is that just because you're not in the BMX industry or you're not like, you know, a pro rider or something doesn't mean that like, it's not because of BMX. Like, I mean, I think that you could say that with all like other forms of life and sports, but like with BMX, it's such a diverse amount. Like it's not just riding. You ride and then you you film your video. You work on your project. You make a magazine. You make a bike product. You build a bike. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different ways that you can impact your community or create a career for yourself. Like I think it's really important for people to not uh, not forget about those things and and try to like kind of build it all together and and, and just get more kids riding BMX bikes. You know, like it's that's we love it. That's why we're sitting here talking right now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Andrew, you're you're welcome on anytime you want. If you want to make a, a shop announcement or anything, I don't really have that big of a pull, obviously. But you know, I it's, like sharing out. The, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Send me the send me the send me the send me the info. Send me the flyer. I'll post it. I'll, I'll promote it, man. I appreciate you you having me on. Um, no problem. I think this is super cool. I, I love what you're doing out there, man. I gotta gotta get some of them stem buddies in the shop, man. I've been slacking on that, so Thank we gotta you. make that one happen. I but. appreciate that because it's you know it's a one man operation over here. And, you know, I, I can't tell sometimes I can, I'm in my own little bubble so much that I can't tell if what I'm doing is like whack or not, but I'm like, but people are buying it. All right. So I'm good. Like I think it's cool, but 
you know, people fucks with it. <laughs> yeah. People love those stickers. <laughs> no, I, I, dude, everyone, everyone that I see, like Joey, uh, Joey Monster, one of my team riders, man, he swears by those things. Like, <laughs> he has one on all of his bikes, and he loves them. And every time we're riding, people are always looking at it. What is that thing? That's sick. Where did you get it? You know, so I definitely, I need, I need a, send me a dozen in an invoice. Send me a dozen of your best sellers in an invoice. I'll call them. <laughs> Up, right. All right. Cool, <laughs> yeah, thanks so. for um, taking the time out of your day to do this. I know you're busy. You got other things to do. Um, I appreciate that. Um, looking forward to seeing what else you got going on. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. So yeah, it's nice meeting um, you. You too. <laughs> awesome, man. All right. Well, uh, I gotta get to work. Definitely, dude. <laughs> Take care. I'll text you. All right, man. Thanks. Yeah.